Hi friends, my name is Tracy and I'm so glad you joined us for this episode of the Abundant Living Podcast. This is your podcast where you can discover how to better serve Christ, create great friendships with like-minded ladies, and live a more abundant Christian life. Before we dive in, remember you can find podcasts like this and so much more on our website at christianladiesfellowship.com. While learning more about this unique ministry, you can also read articles, find resources like books and music, sign up to get helpful devotions delivered right to your inbox, and click the link to join the conversation in our Facebook group. Thank you for joining me today for episode number 50 of the Abundant Living Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Burns. I'm really excited to bring you this 50th episode today. So in order to celebrate 50 episodes, I have an interview today with my really good friend, Mandy Harper. She's here with me today. So say hi, Mandy. Hello, everybody. Mandy and I have been friends. She calculated it because I'm too airheaded to get there. She said that we've been friends for 13 years. And I'll tell you a little bit of the backstory behind our friendship. Mandy and I were thrown together in a discipleship course through our church. And it was a Wednesday night course that ran about 12 weeks. And it was one of those that starts with when you get saved and all of the basic Bible doctrines that you need scripture memory. We had scripture writing every week. And I don't know if she knows this, but at the time I was kind of in a rough place spiritually myself. And so when they asked me, we want you to do this discipleship with Mandy Harper. She, you know, she's a newer church member. I didn't have a good attitude about it, (laughs) but my training of growing up in church was just like, okay, figure it out later. So I even went into it thinking, oh my goodness, I have to memorize all these verses. I have to write all the scripture. And Mandy came in there with, and maybe, and maybe you had a bad attitude too. (laughs) Yeah. You scared me a little bit. I, I thought to myself, she just had such a happy spirit. And at the time she just had her first baby. She actually brought him in the car seat multiple times to our discipleship. And he was very well behaved. Now, nowadays, I don't know if that's true. Mm, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But God worked on my heart through that discipleship. And I think he knit us together in a way, maybe we never would have been brought together because we're two very different animals. I'm very extroverted. I'm very out there. (laughs) And you're very like fly under the radar the overthinker. (laughs) Very much overthinking. Yes. But I think God put us together because he knew we would need each other. So that was in 2011? 2010. 2010. Okay. Maybe. Yes. Because 13 years. So Mm -hmm. 2010. You're right. 2010. Because it was right around the time that I started working at church. God put us together in 2010 for that discipleship course, 12 weeks. And through the course of that, you got reassurance of your salvation. And it was funny because you asked me about it and I actually took you to one of the assistant pastors because I was super intimidated to witness to you, even though I knew what I was doing. It was like, uh, you need to go talk to brother so-and-so because yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know you were intimidated. I was very intimidated by the fact that I had to lead you to Christ (laughs) because I was like, it was like God kicking my tail because I needed at the time I needed, I needed a spiritual kick in the tail and that whole discipleship course, God worked on me. You know, you were over there just soaking it up, learning and excited about it. And I got that was convicting. And I'm grateful for that experience. And I'm glad I said yes, even though I didn't want to do it because we needed each other. Beginning in 2012 is when I found out that my mom had cancer and then she went through treatment. And then at the beginning of 2014 is when I found out that her cancer was terminal. And I knew that our time was going to be limited. The doctors wouldn't even give her a 
they wouldn't even say how long she'd lived. They said it could be a year to five years. And she only lived about nine months. The timeline was that you found out your mom had cancer two months before my mom passed away. And I remember going to the altar with you and there was, I had that aha moment of like, God brought us together because he knew we would need each other through this. And were you pregnant at the time with Gavin? Mom found out she had cancer. And then a couple of months later, I believe I got pregnant with Gavin. Okay. Yeah. So I remember, you know, that first year after my mom and, you know, after you lose somebody, that first year is kind of a blur. You're trying to figure things out. You're experiencing all the firsts after losing that person. And Gavin was born two days before my birthday. So I remember having that moment going to see you in the hospital and seeing Gavin. And it was like that sweet moment of God's like, here's another blessing for you. And so like Gavin has always been special to me, not just because he's a crazy boy (laughs) and he's a baby of the family and the life of the party, but there's that bond there and how God has just put us together. I feel like God was like, you're the, you're, you guys need each other as friends, right? even though you might not think that God's like, this is, this is for you. Right. So when me and Tracy first met, um, I don't actually remember the day that we met or how it worked out, but I felt super intimidated by her. I just kind of sit back and observe people. So I was like, wow, Tracy, you know, <laughs> I just felt intimidated whenever they said I was going to discipleship. I just want to say, I'm sorry for terrifying you. Well, you know, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Whenever they said, okay, you're going to be disciple, discipling with Tracy, I said, okay. So in my mind, I, I was super nervous about it. But we sat down and we were talking and it was fine. Like, I wasn't nervous. I was very excited about all of the memorizations and stuff. You kept telling me, you know, you're making me look bad. You're like memorizing all this stuff before me. <laughs> I guess for me, it was like, it was a goal to just finish. Um, I didn't realize until the end that God started working on my heart that I needed to, you know, I needed to get safe. I needed to get the reassurance. My grandma at the time, she had cancer. And the only thing that kept going through my mind was, I know she's going to heaven, but I don't know if I'm going to heaven. And I wanted that. I wanted to be sure. Like Tracy said, she referred me to who my Sunday school teacher was at the time, the assistant pastor. And so I met with him and and I got everything settled. To this day, I know, I know that I'm saved. So that's where it all began with me and Tracy. It's been all downhill from there. (laughs) Yes. That's where our friendship started. But I think what really brought me and Mandy together was losing parents. And if you've lost a parent at a young age, and, you know, I feel, I feel very blessed that I had my mom for 35 years. You know, I have a good friend that she lost her mom when she was a teenager. So I know that God blessed me with 35 years and I have nothing to say that I didn't get from my mom in those 35 years where I feel like we missed out or we didn't do something or I didn't have anything but it still hits you hard when you realize that person that's always been there won't be there anymore. There's so many times since I lost my mom where I had that moment of like, I wish I could ask my mom. And then God taps me on the shoulder and is like, why do you need to ask her? She prepared you for this and you can do it with my help. So, you know, it's like, God's like, Hey, <laughs> stop being a slacker. <laughs> but I think what knit us together in friendship, it was through grief, a grief that neither of us knew it's an experience that you can't compare to anyone else's. There's similarities, like you walk a similar road, but no one's grief is like someone else. And so you can help each other, but then you have to do a lot of it alone. And I honestly don't know how people do it without God, but us together kind of walked that road side by side. We might've been on different sides of the road, mm-hmm. but and our journeys are different. But I feel like that was why God brought us together because we both were going to experience it different. 
you know, we had different relationships and we were very, we're very different people. So we're going to experience it different. And it's weird because I think now looking back, there's things you learned through grief that you brought to me that helped me. And I hope that, that you can say that on the other side that, you know, things that we might not have seen, but because through our friendship, we've opened each other's eyes right before my mom passed away is when you found out your mom had cancer. So talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about that. Um, we found out, um, and I know I'd mentioned earlier about when we were going through discipleship that my grandma was going through cancer. She had terminal cancer, pancreatic cancer. So we had already experienced cancer at that point. But when I found out that my mom had cancer, a lot of those same emotions had come back, you know, knowing that we went through that journey already with my grandma, that we were going to have to do it again with my mom. But this time it was my mom and she was she was still pretty young. My kids were young and um, I was still working at the time. So there were so many thoughts that had gone through my mind of how am I going to help her? How am I going to take care of her? What does this mean? We always think the worst when our loved ones get cancer. We, you know, our mind automatically goes to that. Oh no, are we going to lose them? The first reaction I had, my mom called me and said, I have cancer. First reaction was I sat on the floor and I just cried. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how, how to respond to that. It just kind of hit me really hard. Going through that, I was grateful to have Tracy because we kind of just went back and forth on, is this a normal feeling or should I be experiencing this or am I handling this correctly? It was a long journey. It was two and a half years. You know, she had gone through the treatments and then she had her scan and then the cancer was gone. So we were all very excited and we were like, okay, this is great. You know, this is great news. And then the cancer had came back. And then um, we went through this roller coaster of emotions. God gave us the victory. And then, and then cancer comes back. So it was a very emotional journey to go through that with her. If you go through cancer with somebody, it's not just them going through cancer. You're going through it with them. I remember my mom saying, after she found out she was terminal, I remember her saying to me about my dad. And we were talking about things like after she passes away and like some of those things that you kind of have to, you don't want to talk about, but... And she even said, well, be gentle with your dad even now. And I was like, why would I not be gentle with dad? She's like, the only thing harder than me knowing that I'm, you know, I have cancer and she was in a lot of pain that last year. She said the only thing worse was watching my dad grieve before she even died. Mm-hmm. With mom and dad, he worked all the time. I actually quit my job right before she got diagnosed with cancer. And I know that I said earlier that I was working, but I actually quit my job right before. So God was already working that out to where I could be there for her. And I know I I mentioned it in one of the devotions of how God moved them closer to us and everything. So looking back, we see things a little clearer, (laughs) how how things just kind of work out. Dad worked a lot, but I I believe that that was his distraction uh, to work a lot. So I had to be there for mom. So it was about a year after she passed away. And that whole year, you just, for me, I felt really numb. And I didn't really feel like it had hit me. I actually went to pastor about a year after she passed away. And I pretty sure I said these words, what is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And he probably said something like, we don't know. We're trying to figure it out. <laughs> I said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I haven't really grieved over mom. And after that first year, it literally hit me. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'll just say, if you don't have a pastor, get a pastor you can go to yeah, for that counsel. It was about a year after I remember texting Tracy. I just couldn't get a clear thought process. My mind was going all over the place. And I said, I don't know what to do. Everything just hit me. And, you know, I felt like I was thinking really negative about things. She said, at the end of the day, just type out anything 
positive that happened today. It could be anything. I had my coffee today. That was a positive thing, you know, or say that is a positive thing. <laughs> or, you know, my car didn't break down today or you didn't get a flat tire or, you know, whatever it is. All of my kids actually remembered all of their things at school, you know, just anything positive. And she said, just whatever it is that actually led me to just start journaling myself. And I can remember telling my husband, I was like, this, this is helping me so much to help me get perspective in my thoughts and just to think better. Journaling was, you had said the word before and I can't, was it therapeutic? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Journaling is very therapeutic. I don't even know the time frame after that, but she asked me if I could write a devotion. Of course I said yes, but in my mind I was in just total freak out mode. <laughs> and I remember starting and writing and I felt like it was more like I didn't want what I wrote to be super depressing to anybody. I wanted it to be an encouragement. And that just that really opened the doors to my writing and it was therapeutic to me. So with my devotions, it's helping me. And that's something that God opened the door for and made a positive thing come out of a, a negative thing. So talk a little bit about after your mom passed away and how you, of course, went through those initial stages of grief, as we all do in a way that's unique to you but how God hadn't forgotten you, so to speak, and how you're originally when I, we first started hanging out in discipleship class, you were an EMT and you seemed like you really liked it. And I remember we prayed together for prayer requests. And one of them was that you were kind of unsure which direction you wanted to go and that you knew you weren't going to be an EMT for the rest of your life because now you were a mom. The hours are crazy whenever you're in some type of first responder career. Talk a little bit about how God opened some doors for you after your mom passed away. So during that time, I was in college, also working full time. I was going for my nursing degree. I absolutely loved the healthcare field. I loved helping people. That was my passion to help other people. And I really, really enjoyed it. I went and took the nursing entry exam so many people were praying for me. I was praying and I failed it. That was honestly a slap in the face. <laughs> and I said, okay, God, is this really what you want me to do? I don't remember the timeline, but we found out we were pregnant with our second child through all this. So it was kind of like, okay, I didn't get into nursing school because we were going to have another baby. <laughs> that kind of answered our question there with the nursing school. But I, I still wanted to get into nursing school if I could. Years had gone by. So during those moments after having our second child, I became a stay-at-home mom. I guess I was bitter about that because I just, I really didn't like to be home with my kids and take that how you want to take it. But I wanted to work. I wanted to kind of have that for me. I feel like as moms, and I'm, this is totally off the subject, but you just said that and it made me think, I need to mention this. Being a mom to your kids is going to be different than a mom to someone else's kids. You're different. The kids are different. You know, I think I even mentioned this maybe in a podcast. There's stay-at-home moms that do a great job and they're excellent moms. They're stay-at-home moms that do a terrible job. Everyone stays in their pajamas all day. No one gets anything done. It's just a free-for-all. Take that as you will. And she uses that as an excuse not to go soloing and serve God. And then there's the career moms, and some of them are not great moms. They ignore their children because they're so hyped up in their career. But then there's some great moms that have raised wonderful children working full-time. So in that sense, it's like God gives you the desire and the hope and the things that you need. And sometimes he tells you, 
wait a minute, you need to do this for now, but I will give you the desires of your heart to stay faithful. And I think in in your case, God kind of did that. He was like, hold on, Mandy. Like I have a different path for you and you can't see the whole picture yet, but I have big things for you if you just hold on. And that's hard to do because when you don't see what's coming up, I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of like, I want to know what's happening. I want to know the play by play. Right. Like I plan the vacation. Like, you know, (laughs) yes, I want to be prepared ahead of time. He didn't want you to get settled in that stay at home mom life because he had big things for you coming up. And even though you might not think this, you're such a multifaceted person with such great potential. And I feel like you would have gotten squelched. I always wanted to be a stay at home mom. I thought that would be that's the pinnacle of what I wanted to be. And then when it came down to it, I was like, I need to talk to adults. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and God gave me a really good balance in that time when my kids were small with cleaning houses and running my own cleaning business. Cause I got to deal with customers and customer service. And I got to feel that balance of being a mom and enjoying those things, but also being able to enjoy that entrepreneurial side of my brain that needs to constantly need stimulation. <laughs> yes. My my daughter was seven months at the time, and I felt like I just needed to go back to work. I was going a little stir crazy. I had gone back to work, but it was part time. It wasn't full time. I ended up quitting my job again because between the gas of going to work, it wasn't worth it. So I finally just said, "Okay, God, I'll be a stay at home mom. Is this what you want me to be?" I was pray, you know, I was praying. I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? And I was doing all these odd jobs. I just didn't have peace about what I was doing. And this was after the fact that all of my kids had ended up in school at that point. So I was home and I felt like I wasn't doing my part as a wife because I wasn't working really. So I felt like, is this really all I have to do all day is just clean my own house? You know, just sit here and drink coffee. It was a battle for me. Felt like I was constantly praying, God, is this seriously what you want me to do? Am I supposed to do this? It was like four years. I just didn't have peace about what, what I was doing at home. Finally, I just said, okay, God, fine. If you want me to be a stay-at-home mom, fine. This is what I'll do. And I surrendered and I, I gave up my will and I said, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. The following Sunday, I went forward and I rededicated my life. At that point, I felt instant peace because it was like I finally stopped fighting God. I finally put it all on him. Not even a couple of weeks later, my husband said, well, maybe you should go work at the daycare next door because there's a daycare next to the kid's school. My husband said these words, you should run the daycare. He jokingly said it. And I hadn't talked to pastor yet. A couple of days after the fact, pastor had come to me and he said, what do you think about employment? I said, okay, what do you have in mind? He said, what do you think about working at the daycare next door to the school? And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, was he in on that conversation? <laughs> he said, well, what do you think about running the daycare? And I literally almost fell on the floor when he said that. Were you like, has my husband been talking to you? <laughs> I know. I'm like, it's not just Alexa listening in on our conversations, it's pastor. <laughs> so I, I said, okay. And I, I honestly got chill bumps because I could tell that this was God. It wasn't anything else, but it was God and God did that. So he completely changed my career path. And I, I still remember pastor saying, what about running a daycare? And I told him, have you seen me with children? <laughs> Looking at that, I can, I can say that that's God. I started working at the daycare and I got all the certifications that I need uh, to run a daycare. So praise the Lord for that. I can point to these instances in my own life, but isn't it funny how God waited until you fully surrendered and was like, okay, now that you've given me everything, I'll give you something. 
and how a lot of times we just fight God and fight God for what we want. And sometimes he'll give it to us. You know, he gave the people a king when he really didn't want them to have a king. He was fine with the judges ruling the land and it did not end up great for them. You know, thank goodness they ended up with David, but like it, they didn't get a quality king in Saul. I think how that's a, such a good lesson right there. Maybe that's a devotion you write next. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> just write that down. <laughs> when we fully give ourselves to God, like a lot of times we think we do, but God knows that when we give him all of our heart and all of our dreams and all of our desires, and he waits for that. And then he's like, okay, you know, it wasn't until Nathan got really sick as a baby. And I finally said, okay, God, I'll, if all you have for me is to raise these kids and not be in ministry, I can be okay with that. And how God, you know, about a year later started opening doors in ministry for me that I hadn't had before. And he was waiting for me to give everything over, mm -hmm. give all of my dreams and all of my desires over. And and for you is a very similar story. That's a, that's a good lesson there. So Mandy's dad got remarried in 2019 to a widowed lady in our church. Sweet, sweet lady. It was the cutest wedding. You could just tell he like had her on the highest pedestal. He, you could tell it was such admiration for each other. So talk a little bit now about your dad. Well, my dad actually, he passed away shortly after I started working at the daycare. They were sick for about two weeks and I was also sick. I had gone back to work. We just didn't really go see them because we were all keeping our distance. So Carmel had texted me and I said, hey, do y'all need anything? And she said, we just need you to bring us something to eat. And at that point, my heart sunk because Carmel is like the best cook in the world. I knew something was wrong. So I said, of course. So I picked up some Chick-fil-A. As soon as I walked in, I could tell that this was this was not good. They were really sick. I could tell my dad was struggling to breathe. And my mind was thinking, you don't need food. You need to go to the hospital. And I told my dad, I said, either you can go to the hospital with me or I can call rescue. So he said, whatever you want to do. I started walking out the door with him. And I said, now you need to tell Carmel that you love her. And he said, okay, I love you. He was so sick. And she said, I love you too. And I don't know why I said those things. I guess I was in the moment. I guess in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure you have COVID. I need to get you to the hospital. And there's no telling how, how long it's going to be before dad will see Carmel. I got dad to the hospital and I actually passed a couple of hospitals because in my mind, I was going back to those EMT days and I was thinking, I need to take him to a specific hospital where they can actually take care of him and I can trust them. We walked into the emergency room. They got him back there really quick. They told me, we don't usually let people back here, but we'll let you back here. And I was so thankful for that because that gave me longer with dad, even if it was just a couple minutes longer with him. They said, we're going to call you. I said, okay. So I left him at the hospital. I can remember walking out of the hospital and it was raining cats and dogs. I don't know about you, but... It was already a bad day and it was storming out. Thank you, Florida. <laughs> so I just left my dad at the hospital. I couldn't stay with him. I felt pretty helpless. I went back home and got my things and I went to Carmel's house and I actually spent the night with her because she was super sick. She needed someone to stay with her. Dad called us super early the next day and I was so relieved because he called us and he said, hey, how's it going? We're, you know, I'm doing really good. They got me on oxygen. He sounded really good, really a beat. That was such a relief to hear him that he was okay. The nurse had never called, but I would say the first couple of days dad was able to call me 
He sounded good. He did complain about some back pain, but I mean, we know hospital beds are super uncomfortable. And on Friday, he called me and he said, hey, can you just bring me my Bible? I said, do you want me to bring you anything else? He said, no, just bring me my Bible. That's a testament right there to my dad that he needed his Bible. His Bible was very important to him. That was Friday. Um, the Thursday before, a nurse finally did get a hold of me because the, the hospital actually told me, we cannot tell you anything. You are not his next of kin. And I said, his wife is sick and I am his daughter. So the nurse did finally get a hold of me and she, she wasn't very nice. Um, she said, well, what do you want to know? I said, is my dad okay? What, what are his vital signs? You know, what are those looking like? Because with mom, we could see everything when she was in the hospital, you know, you could go into the room, you could see them, but they told me with dad, you can't visit him. You can't come. And they basically didn't tell me anything. Everything was completely different there. We had time with mom and we didn't have time that time with dad. Saturday, um, he got to call us and he got to talk to all of our kids. And I remember he told Gavin, now you need to be a good boy. And, you know, if you know Gavin, you know exactly what I mean. He is a good boy. <laughs> he is a very good boy. <laughs> this conversation was great. It was sweet. And God meant it for good. He would always text me every day. Hey, Manny, good morning. How are you doing? Have a great day. This was dad. He would always do it every day. Even before he went into the hospital, it was every day. Good morning. But Sunday, I didn't hear from him. So I just kind of went about my morning because I was getting ready to go to church and to teach Sunday school. And I didn't hear from him. And so I reached out to April, my sister, and I said, hey, can you see if you can get a hold of dad? Because maybe if I can't get a hold of him, maybe you can get a hold of him. She had done that and, and he did text her back. He said, I'm not doing good. Mandy needs to call the hospital. God allowed me to get through Sunday school. He allowed me to teach Sunday school that day. And I was able to take care of those conversations after Sunday school. But I wasn't able to sit through church very good. <laughs> after church that morning, I talked to the hospital, talked to the nurse. And she, she said, you know, your dad, his labs are not good. She said, we're going to have we're going to have to run some tests. I remember thinking, oh, no, what happened? You know, why are his labs all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden going down? Because up to this point, nobody called me. Nobody told me anything. Sunday night, they called me and they said, we did a scan and your dad has a mass in his abdomen. And my mind went straight back to cancer, of course. And I knew something, something wasn't good because they went from not calling me at all to calling me every hour because dad was just not doing good. They ended up transferring him to the ICU. They ran other tests on him and they found out that he was bleeding. He was just bleeding. They couldn't figure out where he was bleeding from which obviously that would affect his labs. It was Sunday night and all this had happened. I was supposed to go back to work on Monday. The doctor had told dad apparently during that week that he would be going home on Monday. So I asked the nurse during that conversation that we had early in the week on that Thursday when she had called and said, what do you want? Is dad coming home on Monday? How's that looking? And she told me the doctor is normally 99.9% .9 right. Sunday night, it was about midnight, the nurse called me and said, your dad is declining. You need to give us an answer right now. Do you want him on a ventilator or not? And it's always at midnight, I think, when when those things happen. <laughs> so, you know, I called Carmel and I called my sister to see, you know, what they thought about that. We knew dad didn't want to go in that direction. They put him on um, a, a CPAP machine. Dad fought that too, so... <laughs> 
you know, the biggest thing was we couldn't see him. And I feel like if we were there, we could talk him through things and calm him down. We couldn't see him with COVID, with all the restrictions and everything. So Monday, basically, they called the family in. Dad wasn't doing good. And they said his kidneys were shutting down and they still couldn't figure out where he was bleeding. Dad was not doing good. He was very sick. I was still in that moment of, I don't understand what's going on because nobody really told me anything. Everything was happening very fast. And they said, you can only bring two people and they can only stay for 15 minutes. And I can remember thinking, well, that's not fair. <laughs> you don't let me see him this entire week. And now you're saying you need to hurry up and say your goodbyes. And, you know, my mind automatically goes back to that time when we were all able to be with mom when she passed away. We weren't able to bring anybody. So they made it sound like he was going to pass any minute. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, we need to hurry up and get there. We need to hurry up. I was so grateful that day for friends who helped with our kids. They picked them up. And that was another thing for me. I had to make that decision was my kids couldn't even say goodbye. It had to be two people and two people only. I made the decision of, okay, I'll bring my husband. You know, it was me and my husband. And well, they told me when we got in there, they said, okay, you need to wear two masks and you need to wear a gown and you can't touch your dad. You can't hug your dad. There was a nurse in there the entire time. My dad was confused just because of everything that had gone on with the oxygen and everything and lack of oxygen. He knew us, but he couldn't carry on any conversation with us. That whole 15 minutes was just not what you would imagine when you go to tell your loved one goodbye. So for me, I have to go back to those days of when we would go visit dad and we would say goodbye and we would give hugs. That's what I have to go back to. I think about like, you know, we had April Hernandez on this podcast and she wrote a book about grief and her experience after her husband passed away and how she never even had the opportunity to say goodbye because he died so suddenly and how every one of us that have lost somebody have a different experience. I said goodbye to my mom over um, FaceTime <laughs> and, you know, I didn't know she was going to go, but it was a quick, it was a conversation over FaceTime right before her surgery and then you know, post-surgery, she never really was aware after that because it didn't go well. I kind of knew, you know, when I said goodbye to her in the phone call, this could be it. Manny and I had this conversation off the podcast about, I have this very strong sense of morbidity and uh, all the cancer that runs in my family and all that stuff. So you kind of have that feeling of like, I'm not ever going to like walk away and not say goodbye. Earlier in that year before my mom passed away, I had been out there for the summer, uh, took my kids to spend a couple weeks with my parents, you know, and at the time we knew my mom was terminal. And when we got to the airport to leave, you know, of course my kids are like always like cry when they say goodbye to grandma and grandpa. Like it's just, that's just the, you know, when they're little like that. But I remember turning around and walking backwards into the airport, looking at my mom standing there. And, you know, at the time she was very sick. She just was so diminished. And I remember just looking and in my mind thinking this could be the last time I ever like put my eyes on my mom physically other than, you know, in a, a FaceTime call. But I remember having that. And when I hugged her goodbye, this is the last time I could be touching my mom. And, you know, you said how you told your dad to tell Carmel goodbye and how even to this day when my husband and I leave, even if I'm like, I'm going to take the kids to school. Okay, bye. I love you. We never leave without saying that because you just don't know. And how that's really a testament to keeping your relationships good because you don't know when's the last time you're going to say goodbye, but you can't stay on that goodbye. You have to remember all the hellos. Then those are the things that bring you comfort in the days after they pass. Talk a little bit now about after your dad passed away, it was a very sudden experience and the emotions that you went through, what God taught you through 
the process of grief and maybe comparatively how it was different from what you learned from losing your mom. Losing your mom was a very organic experience. You knew she was sick. You knew she was going to pass away. There was time to prepare yourself. But with your dad, it was two weeks from he's fine to now I have to make final arrangements. So talk a little bit about your experience personally after losing your dad. So like I said, with with dad, it was so sudden and with the hospital and everything, we couldn't see him. That was so different from with mom in the hospital. We did get to see her. There were some, some of the emotions that I experienced afterwards were confusion because I, I still didn't know all of the answers as to why he actually did pass away as far as what caused his health to decline as quickly as it did. I will say that I was angry and that's okay too. After you lose somebody, like we weren't able to see him. So that's more of a, well, that's not fair. Why did that happen? So I experienced confusion, grief, anger. Um, There's so many questions and those emotions weren't really what I experienced with mom because I, I could accept her passing a lot easier because with cancer, it's almost a relief because she's not suffering anymore. We had to go through that journey with mom. So when she finally stopped suffering and she finally went to heaven, we did feel relief. But with dad, it was very sudden. One of the things that I'm still trying to process is, you know, what really happened and the whole aspect of everything was super fast and it wasn't fair. With COVID and everything, we weren't able to be there for him. We weren't able to see him. We didn't even know what they were doing, uh, what they were giving him medication-wise, Um, We know now that there were certain medications involved that could have shut his kidneys down. And we know that there were other things that could have caused the bleeding. But I was more angry. Honestly, I'm still trying to process certain things. It's like, who, who should I be mad at here? You know, should I be mad at the hospital? Who should I be mad at? So that was something that I had to go to my pastor. And he reminded me, you know, sometimes things happen. Yes, man can do things you know, because I had to put my dad's life in their hands and I had to say, okay, I trust you. I can't blame them for my dad passing away. I have to rely on God and I have to accept the fact that God has his will as well. And he has a plan for everybody in their life. And we don't always understand why things do happen. You know, in our minds, things are just not fair. And that's true. Certain things are not fair, but we can't live there. We can't dwell on those things because we're going to get bitter or we're going to get mad or we're just going to stay angry. And I don't think God wants us to stay in that mode of you owe me. I don't think that's what God wants for us. When things happen, that's not fair because you spoke of Miss Hernandez. She wasn't able to see her husband. And I can imagine the feelings that she must have felt there as well. For me, the emotions were a lot of anger, a lot of confusion at the beginning. As far as you said, the spiritual aspect of it, though, I don't want to say I had just had to pray, but I had to lean on God more because these were different feelings than when mom passed away. I could accept it and I couldn't accept this. I just couldn't because I feel like once you accept a loss, you can start moving on, so to speak. I don't like to put it that way, but I feel like once you accept it, you can start living your life and adjusting to your loss. But if you don't accept it and you're mad or you're angry, it's harder to adjust with dad, I decided, like I said earlier, to to pass multiple hospitals. When you're in that moment, you're in the heat of the moment, you're thinking, well, I don't want to take him to that hospital because you've heard stories. It is what it is. I took him to that hospital. And for the longest time, I blamed myself for passing multiple hospitals. I try to think of it this way. You can't live in the what ifs. What if I would have taken him 
to a different hospital? You know, what if I would have checked on him sooner? What if there's so many what ifs there? It's just, what if I would have barged in and said, what's wrong with my dad? I can't do that. Because if you live there too, it's okay to go back and, and say, well, maybe what if every now and then, but don't dwell there because that's going to affect your spirit too. And you're not going to get anywhere other than feeling extra guilty about the decisions you made in the heat of the moment. Pastor had told me, you did what was best for your dad at that time. You did the best decision. So that's what I think you have to do in those times. You have to do what's best for them at that time. You can't feel guilty and you can't live or dwell on the what ifs. I had a similar experience, but in a way, a very different, (laughs) similar, but in a different way. When um, my mom first found out she had cancer, it was the beginning of 2012. And she asked me not to come see her while she was going through treatment. At the time, she lived in California. I live here in Florida. And she said, I don't want you to see me sick. I don't want you to see me without any hair. I want you to only see me as healthy and happy. And I would rather you not see me during that time. After she passed away, I thought, oh, I should have just disobeyed my mom. (laughs) Because I really look back now and I think I didn't see my mom for almost two years. Because I honored her wishes. And I still think back. I'm like, why did I do that? I wish I would have just gone and seen my mom showed up. And, you know, my dad would have been like, sure, come on. (laughs) But you can't live like that. And I honored her wishes. And that's what she wanted. And I can't think about that time that I didn't spend with her. I just think about all the time I did spend with her and the good visits that we did have. And I was very, very close to my mom growing up. We were very tight. And all of the adventures that we had together and the silly things we did. And I have to remember that and not think about that because it's not going to accomplish anything. If I sit there and think about why did I listen to my mother when she told me not to come see her, I'll just be miserable. And it's not going to accomplish anything. It's not going to help me. It's not helping her. It's not helping anyone. But if I sit there and, and I speak of my mom and share what she taught me on this podcast, you know, with my own daughter and with my friends, then I'm honoring her in a way instead of sit there and dwelling on the what ifs. For you, your experience with your dad, your dad was a quirky guy. (laughs) And my memories of your dad is him at church always being, hey, sis. That's what he always said. Hey, sis. He was always the bubbly, happy. I never saw your dad down. Your dad is always on top side. And he probably, there was times where he was not on top side, but you wouldn't have known it at church because at church he brought his A game when it came to happiness. And uh, he always had a smile and a handshake for everybody. And he would talk to people that didn't even want to talk to him because that's just how your dad was. And you think he left such a imprint in our church family. So your dad was here at our church for four years, but like he made such an impression and an imprint. He's faithful. He was joyful. He was You know, I would say he was probably part of the ministry of encouragement in our church because that's who he was. And uh, and when he married Carmel, it was like, you know, then it was like times two, like they were a team and they they were the same. They sent me birthday cards. They didn't have to do that. No one told them to do that. But that's just the kind of people that they were. You have to think about that legacy of your dad. And I know you do. But for those listening, you can't dwell on the what ifs. You have to think of the legacy that that family member left behind, the impression they made on you, the things they taught you. And then share those with others. Don't let their legacy die, but teach others the things that they taught you. Some of the things that God has taught me through both of these losses, even though they're, they're different. One of the things that helped me with mom was just to stay faithful. You know, after both of these losses, it was just, I have to stay faithful to God because he never lets me down. He never fails me. So I need to stay faithful to him because he always stays faithful to me. Another thing that I had learned was to do right 
always just do right. Whether you're going through a loss or a heartache, just make sure you're doing the right thing and you're staying right. And that kind of goes hand in hand with faithfulness, but just don't get bitter. And it's easy to get angry when we don't understand our loss, but just do right. Another thing I had written down was let your hurt help somebody else because you don't know what that's going to do for somebody else. You don't know what they're going through and your hurt may help somebody. Don't hold it in and keep it for yourself. You know, your hurt's going to help somebody else. Another thing I wrote down was let your heartache push you to grow closer to God. Uh, this is another relationship that should grow sweeter through loss. Um, and I know when mom passed away, my kid's relationship got sweeter with my dad. He leaned a lot more on me. That was another relationship that got sweeter was our relationship. Whenever mom passed away, dad got remarried. And that was another thing that God gave us as a family. Carmel has helped mend our heartache. And I know that her and dad didn't have a long time together, but she still, she still helps us and she still mends our heartache. She just comes over and she's just awesome. She's just awesome. You don't have to put that in there, but maybe I will. She's just awesome. You should try her carrot cake. Yes. <laughs> but um, those are some of the things that God has taught me. There are beautiful things that do come out of heartache. And just let God work on you and lean on him and trust him to give you exactly what you need and that comfort. And God's going to bring people your way to help you. Like Tracy, you know, me and her, she can't get rid of me. Same. Just be thankful for those things that God does bring into your life. We don't always understand our heartache, but he's going to bring us just what we need to get us through it. Before we sign off the podcast, tell us the one verse that means something to you and how it's helped you. The verse that always comes to my mind is 2 Corinthians twelve nine. The Bible says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So it's talking about there, his grace is sufficient. And that's one of the things that I constantly would quote in my mind. His grace is sufficient. He's going to get me through this. His grace is sufficient. You know, when you don't know what to pray, when you don't know what to do, his grace is still sufficient. It's enough. And those are, that's one of the main verses that got me through some of my hardest times and my hardest days. Before we wrap up this podcast, I'm going to ask you, to give us some words of wisdom. So, you know, I lost someone before you did, and then you lost someone and then lost another person. So tell those that are listening, if they came to you and said, my friend just had a parent that passed away or a child that passed away or a sibling, a family member, a loved one, how do I help that person? What's the one piece of advice that you would give over anything else? I would say that try to be yourself around that friend or that loved one. I know a lot for me when people were trying to talk to me after my parents passed away, the one thing that I appreciated was I wanted people to be normal around me. I didn't want them to be weird. Some people don't know how to act around others when somebody goes through a loss. Just be yourself. Try to be there. Just be there. Try to listen. A lot of people, you know, I have some really good friends and they know who they are. If I'm ready to say something about my loss, they're ready to listen. I would say be yourself, be normal, and don't treat them like a disease. That may be a little harsh, but they're going through a big loss. So you need to be normal for them. You need to be who you are. Well, thank you so much, Mandy, for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that we had this opportunity to sit down and talk. If only just to spend time with you. So the ladies listening 
can enjoy the fact that they got to be in on the conversation and hopefully that they're taking something away from today that will help them through their loss or through helping another through loss. If you enjoyed this episode of the Abundant Living Podcast, be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcasting app so that you are notified when a new episode is posted. Please rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. For more helpful content, be sure to check out our website, ChristianLadiesFellowship.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you're leaving with some great things that will help you to live more for the Lord, make amazing Christian friends, and serve the Savior every day. Let's go show the world just how abundant the Christian life can be. Until next time.